0: In the name of God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, it's Advent today, December 11th, the third Sunday of Advent. It will be Advent next Sunday. I want to suggest that it will be Advent the Sunday after that and that it will be advent the season after that and when we get to lent it will still be advent and when we get to easter and the long green pentecost season will still be an advent this past week i saw a number of stories i'm I'm not really a news junkie but it's going to sound like i am um saw a a piece about uh, the latest prisoner of war swap between uh, Russia and the the Ukrainians, and had video of the Ukrainian prisoners of war that that were coming home severely malnourished, like they were told they could have 20 tablespoons of chicken soup so they wouldn't completely mess their system up. Anyway, there's that. Of course, there was the story of Brittany Griner, the women basketball star coming home from a Russia pe- Russian penal colony. There was a, I thought, amazing New York Times op-ed video piece entitled Putin versus the priest about this uh, Russian Orthodox priest father, Ewan, I, think it's, I think it's John in Russian, Ioan e- Burden who was arrested in March for a five minute sermon where he criticized the war. Saying how can Christians be killing Christians? And anyway, arrested, lost his job, probably defrocked. Um, And then yesterday, probably worst of all, uh, actually as I was preparing the sermon uh, late yesterday, A story of the first person hanged in the Iranian human rights violations protests. Young guy. Um, I'm sure we could go around and share lots of stories of heartache and brokenness. Uh, Very personal ones or, or ones that from the world that hit you very personally. Why why do I bring these up? Because it's Advent and it's still Advent and it will be Advent until God in Jesus comes again. Our lectionary always gives us John the Baptist on both the second Sunday of Advent and the third Sunday of Advent. And this year, you heard the story, we have the story of him in prison um, and sending a message to Jesus. Uh, We heard last week about John the Baptist from earlier in Matthew's Gospel, him being the voice, you know, proclaiming in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. We heard him say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here, it's upon us. Um, And then we heard the last line of last week's gospel, the end of John's message. He said, The coming ones winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is John's conviction. Interestingly, Matthew reports later in that chapter that when Jesus heard that John was arrested, basically, that's when Jesus began his ministry. And you know what Jesus is? Uh, message was, first message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That message, of course, is declared in an occupied country, occupied by the world's superpower. And the people that heard it knew and still knew brutality and terror and fear and hopelessness and poverty and violation of human rights. And at the same time, there was at this time a very high expectation and longing for Messiah to come and a sense that, God's kingdom might be near. So there was a congruence with John's message in many parts of Israel. And so, of course, there's several chapters right between chapter 4 and chapter 11. And what is Jesus doing from the middle of chapter 4 all the way through chapter 9? He's healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, letting the deaf hear, raising a little girl from the dead, cleansing lepers, and preaching good news to the afflicted or the poor. And yet, our gospel began. now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, don't miss that. When John heard in prison about the deeds of the Messiah, the long hoped for savior king of Israel and the world, he sent word by his disciples, are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? Or shall we look for another? John is saying, I want to suggest, or singing, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I know you're the Christ. Maybe that's what he's saying. He knew the deeds of the Christ, and yet he says, Are you the coming one? Or shall we look for another? Of course he knew. He, he's the one that leapt in his mother's womb when pregnant Mary came to visit his mother. He's the one that said when Jesus came to him to be baptized, no, 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 you, you need to baptize me. He's the one that was standing there when Jesus came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit came down in some visible way like a dove on Jesus. And as Matthew tells it, it's not first person. It's, it's God says, this is my beloved son in whom I delight. Did John know You know, being threatened and imprisoned by a dominating superpower can be disorienting. Being in prison can be confusing and disheartening. And you can even begin to sort of have two minds. I would say, yes, he knew Jesus was the Christ, but he's trying to, he cannot figure out what's going on. In fact, his words like, should we look for someone else, honestly may be an element. It may be like those Psalms that say, God, wake up, rouse yourself. Why are you asleep? Should we look for someone else? What the heck is going on? I'm a good guy. I'm on God's side. The kingdom is at hand. It's close. Why am I still suffering? Why is evil still having the upper hand? Jesus replies. to John's disciples, who apparently obviously had access to him. Probably in those days, the disciple, you know, friends or family or disciples would be the ones that brought you food or any necessities. And Jesus says, go and tell John what you see and hear. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and so forth. So we've talked in the past how a lot of times a rabbi would mention one part of an Old Testament passage, and be like wanting people to think of the whole part. Jesus is referencing at least two or three sections of the prophet Isaiah in what he's saying. Definitely Isaiah 35 and and Isaiah 61 which is what Jesus quotes when he comes into Nazareth in Luke, um, that he's anointed to preach good news to the poor. But if that's true, if Jesus is calling to John's mind the prophet Isaiah, then and especially Isaiah 35 that we just heard read. Um, think about that. In fact, I, I would suggest he's invoking all of Isaiah with all of its judgment and all of its promise, which at the end of Isaiah, the last two chapters, is the only place in the Hebrew Scriptures that talks about a new heavens and a new earth. And so right in the middle, Jesus doesn't say it to John, but did you hear right in the middle of Isaiah 35? There's these promises, which which I'll mention in a second. But right in the middle, Isaiah says, so strengthen your weak hands. Make firm your feeble knees and say to those with anxious hearts, be strong. Fear not. Listen, listen to John hearing this. Be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. He will come with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Now, there's like a huge tension there because God didn't come and save John. But I think that's what Jesus is saying to him. Will you live in that place and be strong and trust? He affirms there's vengeance coming. There's recompense coming. God's judgment will come. It has to come to make everything right and make everything new. But in in that Isaiah 35, we hear about the, the wilderness, the desert places, the dry land becoming a garden. We hear about a promise of paradise restored. Uh, we, we hear in the following verses, you know, the, the, the healing, the physical healings that would be signs of it. We hear about water in the desert, streams in the desert, which historically Israel knew, right? They knew about water breaking out in the desert but it wasn't happening now. And they were longing for another exodus to come. And then finally, and finally, Isaiah 35 ends with another unrealized picture that says there'll be a highway in the desert. It'll be a holy highway. And the redeemed of the Lord will return with singing the ransomed of the Lord will return and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Do you hear what Jesus is saying to John? Suffering, displaced ones, my people who are where they ought not to be, in exile, in prison, under domination and threat, will return on the way through the wilderness, and who is he saying this to? The one who in the wilderness prepared a way. It is so beautiful, to, if if indeed this is what Jesus is saying, I, I think he is, that the redeemed will return singing. Jesus is in effect saying to John, to, the, to John's disciples, to the crowds that are listening, and to you and me. What I've come to do is so much bigger than what I've been doing. It's so much bigger than cleansing the temple and purifying the religious leadership in Jerusalem. It's actually so much bigger than dealing with the domination of an oppressive superpower in the land. It's about recreating the whole cosmos. People and creation itself. and it's just breaking out. These are just signs. These are just foretastes, what's happening. Don't, did you hear Jesus say, blessed is the one who doesn't take offense at me. Don't take offense, Jesus says, if I only bring now the first fruits, if I only bring now a taste or an echo of what might be. Rather, be patient, establish your heart, strengthen weak hands and feeble knees so you can walk on the way. And I think he's saying, join me in this work. Trust me and join me in the work of healing people and healing the world. About, I guess it was 30 years ago, in the May, May and June of 1992, cellist Vedrin Smilovic, lots of Eastern European references today, played uh, Albanini's hauntingly beautiful adagio in G minor in the ruins of Sarajevo. He played for 22 days uninterrupted after mortar shelling killed 22 people in an attack on a market, people waiting for food. He played in the midst of devastation and in the crosshairs of snipers and artillery gunners. When all around him was tragedy and affliction and bad news, His response was to play a song. His response was to find beauty in the devastation. Not fury, not revenge, not despair. A hauntingly beautiful song. goodness. A crocus in the wilderness. A stream in the desert. The shelling didn't stop. It didn't stop for four more years. But the stories are that his commitment to beauty, to playing his song, did change the direction and trajectory of his people's attention and their action. I wish, I wish, I'm going to file by title an article in the most recent Christianity Today, the cover article, which is about Bono of U2. The title of the article is Defiant Joy. It's a beautiful article, um, both about Bono's faith and about his and the group's, like, standing with lament and hope in the midst of all the brokenness of the world and his um, uh, activism as well but another another, uh, story of that. John couldn't see it during his advent, but the Christ would also be imprisoned and threatened and executed. He would suffer and bear the ruin and the devastation and the sin and the death of the world. Crucified, dead, buried, and risen, firstborn from the dead, and ascend to the throne of this still warring cosmos. And Jesus still says, Trust me, join me, play your song, sing on the way home. Will you? Will you be strong in the face of bad news? Will you trust against hope that God will come and make everything right? In your working, in your playing, in your marriages, in your families, in your friendships, in your passions, as you look at the world, will you take the gifts you've been given, whether it's a desert or a garden or a prison or a stage, and, and, and use the gifts God's given you to play that hope of what's to come for you, for all those around you, and for our world? We can trust him. Let us join him. Amen.